All right, all right. What is going on? What is going on? It's your girl, Melba Pearson, Melba from Miami. And this is another Mondays with Melba. So super excited. But before we dive into our amazing guest today, um, I want to make space for Maya. Uh, Maya was a young lady who was a student um, in Central Florida. She uh, was a member of the Caribbean community, often attended carnival, fun-loving 19-year-old woman, um, and her family called and said that she was missing. Uh, there was a search, and unfortunately, she was found not with us anymore. Unfortunately, she was found dead. Um, I always hate to center, you know, sometimes start these with such a heavy thing, but we really need to center saying their names, saying the names of the people who are lost. Uh, the person of interest, unfortunately, has killed himself, so we may not ever really get answers as to what happened. Um, what disturbs me is that the narrative is very much like he she refused his romantic advances and then that resulted in you know him killing her potentially killing her right again not knowing the full story but i just really want to center the fact that number one bodily autonomy right you know we had a situation several years ago um you know as most of you know i'm of caribbean descent uh and there was a horrible homicide that occurred during a carnival in brooklyn 70 several years ago where a young lady didn't want to dance with uh, one of the guys at carnival and he turned around and killed her right so this toxic masculinity is murder toxic masculinity results in murder so I, I want us to really center that and not be like well if you just smiled more or whatever that is shifting the blame and the responsibility onto the survivor onto the victim rather than the man who don't know how to act right and take no for an answer and keep it moving so maya you know my heart goes out to you and your family um we stand in solidarity with you and we hope that you can find closure um, with that, we're now going to shift into elections, right? So y'all like, wait a minute, it's 2021. Like, this is an election year. Why, yes, yes it is, because we do have local and municipal elections. And one of the elections coming up is the city of Miami commissioner's race. So I have on today, Michael Hepburn, who is uh, the city of Miami commission candidate for district five. So welcome, Mike, to Mondays with Melba. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Melba. Well, just one, just happy to be here. It's always good to see you. Um, and definitely during this time where I'm trying to make sure that our residents know about this election that's coming up and having them understand outside of just the commissioner race, you can vote for the mayor and another amendment that's going to be on that ballot. It's very important for us to be engaged, involved. It is time for us to activate. Yes, amen to that. I am all about people power and people activation. So, you know, can you tell folks a little bit about yourself um, and what drove you to run? What drove you to get involved in this race? Yeah, sure. So I'm, I'm going to take y'all back a little bit. So I'm, I'm old school Miami. Um, so I like to say my family, my Hepburn side, the, that last name I have, has been here since 1896. Right. So if you actually trace us back on the Hepburn side, you will find I'm related to one of the members, one of the 162 black men that actually signed the city of Miami incorporation papers is in my family. Right. Um, so we got that old school city of Miami, Miami born, Miami raised, Miami made is running through the blood that's in my veins. Right. So 
That's why I think a lot of people, when they see me walking and talking about what's taking place in the city, that's why this is very personal to me, right? Because it's bigger than this election. It's like, this is the place that I'm from. This is the place that my family is from. Um, this is the place that allowed me to become who I am. So when you see the city not necessarily going in the direction that you hope it would go in towards, or if you see we're not protecting our seniors or investing in our youth, um, someone like me, you gotta step up. You gotta stand up and make your voice heard, right? But my background, so born and raised here in the city, um, K through 12 public schools. So I gotta give a shout out to Tucson Loverture, South Miami Middle School, Miami Central High School um, is where I attended. Uh, went to FIU for college. So I got my uh, bachelor's in awesome. sports management and also went back a couple of years later, got my master's in higher education administration. But my professional skill set is pretty diverse. Um, for the last, what, 18 years of my professional career has been in either um, Fortune 500, like working, I was executive for Target, worked for Nike, transitioned into the sports entertainment realm. So became a junior executive for the National Football League. And then the last five, six years, I've been in higher education. So was a senior advisor to the School of Business at University of Miami, uh, worked at FIU, part of our Golden Scholars program, even went to Greensboro, North Carolina, North Carolina A&T, and was a lecturer there and also advisor to our student athletes. So very diverse background, but service is all I know, Belleville. Like that has literally been the backbone of my family and what I've done when I was a kid to when I got to college. And then even now being a civic activist in our neighborhoods for, man, maybe like the last 11 years now. Wow. Um, so when it comes down to running for office, um, it's kind of like, I guess, a natural progression of me just trying to make sure that we are having influence at the table of decisions, right? Um, instead of me just making sure that my people know how to advocate for their concerns, I also want them to be a part of policy, be a part of the allocation of funds, um, be a part of making their voices be heard when it comes down to what the future of this city looks like. And the sad part is, if we're not at the table, Andrew Gillum said this when he was running for governor, you know, then you're on the menu. So I'm trying to make sure people understand that being engaged in your neighborhood, starting starting a neighborhood association or, you know, having some type of influence with PTA or with your police officers, all that is very important um, if you're really trying to build strong communities. Amen to that. Yep. So, you know, so tell us a little bit about um, what the City of Miami Commission does, what's sort of their mandate. Um, and also, I understand that you're running for District 5. So what's the yeah. area that encompasses District 5? So I just want to make I sure people you. are aware. So they're <laughs> like, they know. I like, was like, oh, my neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I'll start with the second piece. So District 5 actually starts uh, from Overtown. And it goes all the way up to Miami Shores, or what we call right before Miami Shores Upper East Side, right? So if you are in Wynwood, Spring Garden, uh, Little Haiti, Little River, Liberty City, Overtown, any of the Upper East Side on the right side of Biscayne Boulevard, all the way up to 87th Street, um, you live in District 5, right? Um, so a very diverse district, to be honest with you, out of all the city of Miami districts, I believe my district is the most diverse um, when you look at just the... Uh, the concept of all the languages that we have, the different neighborhoods, the, the, the Caribbean mix, the Haitian American mix, the black, I mean, everybody, right? Um, so that's district five. But as far as your city commissioner, so your city commission is pretty much in charge of everything from making sure that your streets get repaved, um, making sure your lights, street lights and all that good stuff that the city of Miami trolley comes from your city commission. They are the ones that pass all of your code and ordinances. So 
code compliance, building structure permits, you starting a small business in the city um, is under the purview of your city commissioners. They also, um, in a sense, they don't hire the police chief or the fire chief, but they hire the city manager, which in a sense, hires the rest of the administration. So they don't, your, your commissioners don't oversee the 4,000 plus employees that we have personally, but through the city manager office, we oversee the 4,000 plus employees that you have, right? Um, and then so today is, is very important because you have five city commissioners. Um, in order to get most things passed in our city, you need about three votes. Um, so as you see, like being a consensus builder, knowing how to negotiate, knowing how to make your point of view come across to the masses is very important. Um, so you're not just having somebody represent a certain area, but having them understand you're representing the whole city. So one of the things I've tried to change this year is instead of saying I'm running to be the city commissioner, like in district five, I was like, no, I'm running to be the city of Miami commissioner. I just happen to be from district five, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm making decisions based upon what's taking place in our entirety of our city, not just in my district. And I want our other commissioners to be just as concerned about what's taking place in my district as they are in their district, right? So we got to collectively make strong decisions and partner with each other to build strong communities in a strong city. And we also got to kind of get out of that silo a little bit and not just be trying to represent your hood. It's like, no, a whole city is your hood. So please make good decisions for all of us, not just for some. For sure. So what is the cause you know, in your opinion, of the breakdown and kind of the drama we've been seeing for the last Ooh. few weeks. So, you know, as much as you want to touch on this, right? This is not a I setup like I got you. Like, hey, I mean, I'm just, I'm generally, I'm genuinely curious to know because, you know, for my, for our viewers and listeners who are not located in Miami and may see some national headlines and are like, what now? You know, three sure. of the five commissioners um, have taken great exception to the new police chief sure. now. I'm not going to sit here and be like, yeah, I'm a chief Acevedo stand. Like, I'm not saying that, but I'm also not saying that he's horrible. I mean, it's, it's, you know, he's only been here like seven months. Yeah. Um, my like that, man. <laughs> Like literally that, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, my beef was the way he was hired. It was very non-transparent. You know, a number yeah. of very qualified, you know, internal and external candidates were interviewed on, I believe the, the interview streamed on YouTube so the community yeah. could see. And handle and, everything, yeah. And like at the ninth hour in the middle of the night in the cut, the mayor come out talking about, oh yeah, I'm bringing in this rock star from Houston. We're like- I got Michael Jordan and the police chiefs. <laughs> so I'm like- and there were some questions about things that happened in other jurisdictions that he was at the helm of. But I'm like, listen, I'll give you a minute to see what's going on. But now, I mean, there has been this drama where they're bringing out videos of him dancing in an Elvis yeah. costume and yeah. somehow that's appropriate to be on the day. So can you kind of talk yeah. us through a little bit of this foolishness? I can, and, I know. can. Um, the sad part is um, if, if anybody lives in the city that follows city of Miami politics, um, y'all know this madness isn't like new, but this is like a different level of the madness that we've experienced, right? Um, but I can definitely uh, co-sign what you said. One person speaking, um, I did not co-sign. I am not a fan of the process of how we hired our new chief, right? I thought it was very disrespectful. Um, the whole concept of having all those finalists and semi-finalists go through that process that was transparent and do the interviews and the YouTube and da 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 and for you to like just pretty much sidestep side that process to do this, I think it creates issues like this, right? It, you're not bringing your community along with you when you're making important decisions 
Um, you're going to piss off certain fragments of our government because they're gonna feel like they were in a part of the process. And then um, even though I believe some of the stance statements they're making isn't valid or don't, doesn't necessarily hold weight with what's taking place in our community, um, you know, they felt like they're trying to correct the wrong. But going back to your point, so the commissioners at this point, um, I guess after maybe the second month that the chief was on the job, I started hearing rumblings that the commissioners weren't too happy with his uh, process and they weren't too happy with some of the decisions that would be made at the police department, um, some of the restructuring, the, the commanders, the who's getting promoted to assistant chiefs, the um, changing the dynamics of the budget and some other concepts, right? So the rumors of City Hall was kind of running that, you know, a majority of the members on the dais may not be supporting him like this whole year, right? Then it started heating up after um, certain comments were made by the police chief or certain people got reassigned or fired from the police department. Um, so that's when the rumblings kind of heated up and the, um, the FOP or the, uh, the police union started in making public statements about their um, unhappiness and lower morale levels and things like that. And I noticed the commissioners got a little bit more heated as far as their uh, personal um, stake in trying to do something. But this madness that this took place last week, or <laughs> is this even going on this week still? Um, I, yeah, I, I, Melba, I, I'm rarely one that don't have words to explain stuff, right? I know <laughs> I can find some words to explain what's taking place, but what that was and what this is now, um, I have no clue, but I can tell you this. This is what I've been telling the folks that, that have been asking me about this every day. Um, yes, do I believe the majority of the commissioners on the day is want the chief to be fired? Yes. Going back to the first question that you kind of asked me, do they have the power to directly fire the chief? No. Do they have the power to fire the city manager? Yes. So y'all gotta play, play this out a little bit, right? So you present this case that the police chief is not, you know, doing what he was expected to do and he's not up to speed. And, you know, we got investigations going on and the, and the police chief is saying they're doing stuff illegal. They're saying that he's you know, having hit and runs and not reporting his car accidents or whatever it may be, right? So you got both parties going at each other. Their concept is we're gonna put the pressure on the city manager to present all this information to the public, put the city manager on record to be like, did you know about this stuff prior to the chief coming here? City managers is like, oh no, sorry, I didn't do that. So then you got the commissioners like, well, don't you know about Google? Then you Google the stuff, right? City manager like, nope, sorry, didn't do that. So now it's making him look like, bruh, so you hired somebody without doing a proper background check, supposedly, right? And then second, now, if anybody worked for a job before, you know you have some employees that's not doing right, so then your boss would be like, hey, I'm going to kind of write you up and give you a reprimand or give you an improvement plan, right? So second step is, now city managers like, since they making me look bad, let me now have this improvement plan for the police chief to pretty much give him a guideline towards what he needs to do to come up to, you know, bring his performance up to speed, or technically speaking, as y'all know, in the real world, if your manager talks to you and say you need to come to work on time, or you need to increase customer service and all this other stuff, and they give you 30 days, and you don't do it, then the manager's going to be like, you know what, Melville, I'm sorry, but it's just not working out. I think we got to let you go. So that's pretty much what the plan is from the days. The commissioners are setting up the case where they are presenting to the city manager, 
that we have issues. The, the labor union or the police union is saying, hey, we don't like them, we got issues. So the city manager is like, we would like you to improve your performance. I don't know if what they're asking him to do is something you can actually do, but at the end of the day, then I believe the city manager is gonna make a recommendation, probably not gonna be for the benefit of the chief, right? I don't think it's gonna end nicely. Um, and then I'm assuming the city commission then will move to, you know, separate from the chief. And that is what I'm kind of foreseeing. Um, now, as far as the community, depending on who you're talking to, um, in a lot of segments of my district, you got a lot of strong support for the reforms and some of the initiatives that the chief has been implementing, right? And, I, and I've personally spoken to multiple, multiple police officers that was like, hey, you know, he's in there, he's trying to do something different. Uh, he's trying to change the culture. Um, some of the stuff that he complained about is true, that type of stuff. So it is a little inside outside game. You got a battle between, you know, officers on the street and community members that seen a difference and then the commissioners and they pointed to you. So it's interesting, Melba. Um, I personally don't know how it's going to end, but my recommendation, if I had to like, you know, guess, my recommendation is they're trying to part ways with the chief probably sometime before Christmas. And then we'll be right back in this process trying to hire a new police chief and all this other stuff. But that's the madness of uh, city of Miami government sometime. But to be honest with y'all, um, a lot of corruption and money and power behind the scenes is tied to a lot of these decisions. So even though we're seeing what's been presented on TV and, and you know some of the things we're reading in the articles, please understand y'all, there is a big money play big power play and there's a whole lot of people out there in this city that has not been doing stuff that he's supposed to be doing and when certain people get into certain seats or certain people control certain entities you have people fighting for their personal well-being and their decisions and their money and whatever it may be so it's deeper than what you may see I mean for sure thank you Mike that was an amazing <laughs> explanation of like <laughs> what's really unexplainable. Yeah. And, and I fully agree with you. This is a setup to fire him completely. Yeah. This um, is definitely the play. And what's interesting though, because he ain't stupid. He may be a lot of things, but he ain't stupid. Um, chief Acevedo, the name of the chief is Chief Art Acevedo. Yep. He has now escalated things to the Department of Justice and Correct. basically has put himself almost in a position of a whistleblower where he's Correct. detailing how certain commissioners keeping <laughs> all the receipts and he's detailing Correct. how certain commissioners have been using the city of miami police department as their own personal enforcement force so in other Correct. words targeting uh one very popular restaurant yep, businesses Correct. yeah yep. And they, Ball and Chain, along with a number of other businesses, filed a $28 million lawsuit naming right. Fed commissioners and the city of Miami Police Department because they felt that they were wrongfully targeted for right. code violations and all of that because of the fact they did not support, you know, in word, in deed, and in dollar dollar bills, right. certain members of the commission. You, so this is all... <laughs> This is I'm all I'm telling you, it is all tied together. It is all tied together. But one thing I can tell my city of Miami residents, definitely ones that's been discouraged about this process, not believing in government or thinking that it's a waste of time to vote. Listen, one of the commissioners is on the ballot with us November 2nd, with me. Like, so for people that live in that district, if you are unhappy with what you see, if you feel that your district representation is not of becoming of who you are and your values, y'all can do something about it this week. Absentee ballots are mailed out this week. Early voting starts on October 23rd. The election day is November 2nd. Y'all can do something about this. 
So please, if you have any issues and you live in one of these districts, I need y'all to vote. I need y'all to vote. Your voices need to be heard. You got to come out and show the masses, right? So show your peers, your neighbors that, hey, it doesn't have to be this way. Y'all can literally take a stance against what is taking place at City Hall and replace it with leadership that you believe is representing you, standing up for you, representing the city that you want your kids to live in, your grandparents to stay in. Like y'all can do something about this. So do not become discouraged. Agreed. I mean, I cannot say that enough. And for those who don't live in the district, who Correct. don't live in the city of Miami, but who have friends that do, Correct. please encourage hey. them to vote. Oh. Yes. Send that group chat. Oh, let them know something. <laughs> you know, you know, so, you know, pivoting more back to you, mm -hmm. what are some of like your top three priorities once, because I'm willing it, once you get elected, <laughs> what are your top three priorities that you want to address, you know, once you get on the dais? Now I got you covered, Melba. So um, the cool part is we've been walking since, a lot of people don't know this, but I actually started walking last year, right? And that was, you know, we was in the thick of COVID. Um, at that time, it wasn't even a campaign. It was literally for me to go around and pass out hand sanitizer and face masks, right? Because at the time, we wasn't talking about shots and stuff yet, right? So it was more of just trying to, hey, y'all be safe, social distance, here goes some materials that can, you can utilize, that type of piece. But during that time, it was semi-listening tour, right? Because I was able to kind of hear the concerns and issues that our residents wanted addressed or things that they felt haven't been addressed for so long. So going into New Year's, I literally had like a blueprint of about 20 different items that I was able to hear from a bunch of our residents from the Upper East Side all the way to Overtown last mm -hmm. year. So then this year, going through our campaign, when I was going to the doors and making the phone calls, I would literally bring up this long list, laundry list of stuff and I'm just like, tell me what you like, tell me what you don't like. Tell me what you think we can do, tell me what you think we can't do. And then from there, we was able to kind of narrow it down to 12 items. And then from those 12 items, we were able to put them into four different buckets, right? So this is pretty much what the city is telling me, y'all. Is one, they want me to read, not me, they want us, to rehab, preserve, and develop affordable housing. But when they say affordable housing, they mean one, redefine exactly what affordable housing is, because that definition is all over the place, depending on who you talk to, right? So we're talking about like lower area median income folks, right? People on the lower $20,000, $30,000, right? Also having something in the middle, workforce housing. So if you're making more than that, you know, we need to still have places that you can afford. But then also in my district, we're, we're about talking about equity and, and building generational wealth. So what can we do to push forward home ownership? purchasing a condo, purchasing a single family home, a dupe, staying in a duplex, doing a apartment building, but that apartment has a rent to own program, you know, those type of concepts. And then the last piece was, how are we helping our seniors stay in their homes? Because a lot of them have great properties that just need to be rehabbed a little bit, do something to the fences, the roof, that type of thing. But then also, how do we help them build residual income? So I've run into a whole lot of homes that got big lots, right? Big old yards. Mm -hmm. Nothing in the back. And they're getting older and they're like, man, I really don't need all this space. Their kids done moved out of the house and they in their three bedroom, four bedroom. So they were thinking, is it possible for us to have an additional dwelling unit, right, where they can build something in the back of their house, then rent out their house, and then that can be income for them so they can sustain staying in the city. So that is the kind of components that I'm looking forward to is pushing forth that concept, but I'm going to go after public owned land. Right, so the city of Miami owns a whole lot of parking lots. We own a whole lot of single 
vacant lots and stuff in the city that we're not developing. We can convert that space into affordable housing opportunities, into single family homes, that type of piece, right? I wanna focus in on these developers. We talk about property developers a lot in the city of Miami, um, but we don't necessarily talk about partnering with them to have strong community benefit agreements, having strong conversations about them actually including affordable housing on site because, because of state laws, um, preemption law stops cities from doing a lot of stuff, right? Because it's against law for me to tell you the mandate rent prices or that type of stuff. But we gotta teach our neighborhoods, our residents, how to negotiate with these developers, definitely if they're getting something in exchange from the city, right? So they come to us asking for higher density or different grants or money from the forever bond. Okay, cool. You want city of Miami money? This is what it needs to come with. I need this, 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 and that. I need this or I need that. Get my point? We got to start negotiating better with our developers. So housing is a big key. Second came down to uh, safe, sustainable neighborhoods, right? So a lot of concepts about how we treat gun violence. So I want to change the direction of us treating gun violence as a public health crisis, right? Um, similar to how we go after COVID, that's how we should be going after gun violence in our communities, right? So changing how we police, changing the, the, the dynamics of behavior intervention programs and investments, early investments in our neighborhoods that actually are showing handgun crimes, that type of stuff, right? Um, I want to change the concept of how we deal with illegal dumping. That comes up a whole lot in my city, definitely in my district. So focusing on that and changing the concept of providing like Wi-Fi at our city parks and getting rid of these vacant lots and unsafe structures that we have in the city, right? Because my district actually have like 700 plus structures deemed unsafe and vacant that literally I can convert into affordable housing or I can do something with if we had the chance, if we were trying to innovate and do something different. And the third piece, um, if I had to go after our third bucket, it's mainly two, but investing in our youth, I'll talk about that in a minute. But the third one is economic and workforce development. A lot of conversations about Mike, what are you doing to help me retool so I can develop a skill set that I can monetize so I can stay in this city, right? Because <laughs> I can't afford to live here anymore type of concept. So what are we doing for our seniors? What are we doing for our folks that graduated from high school but may not have degrees? What are we doing for our small business owners? And in particular, in my district, what are we doing for our small black business owners, right? And teaching them incubator programs, accelerator programs, mentorships, apprenticeships. Um, so I'm really focusing on those dynamics, but I'm gonna have to squeeze one more in Melbourne. That's a big Do one. Do it, do so it. Education comes up all the time, all the time. So I'm gonna focus on three things. One, we're gonna expand the child savings accounts programs that we have. So if you're a kid in the city of Miami, city of Miami has a little pilot program now with child savings accounts where they put in money. When you become 18 years old, you can take it out. So we're gonna expand that. Two, free childcare centers. I wanna expand us offering free childcare at some of our city parks. A lot of my parents, that is a huge cost for y'all. So I'm looking at, trust me, I hear you. We gonna do something about that. But the third, I hear this all the time. You don't want your kids moving back into your house after they graduate from high school. What are you gonna do about that, Mike? I hear y'all. So this is what we gonna do. We call it our Miami Promise, right? The city of Miami uh, commissioners get something called anti-poverty funds. District five actually gets the highest amount of anti-poverty funds. So what I did was, or what we're going to do, is I'm gonna allocate $250,000 every year. So for the four years I'm in office, a million dollars, I'm making a million dollar commitment to put that money into a trust fund in a sense, right? And we're gonna leverage that donation with um, our, some of our property developers, nonprofits, community organizers, 
you know, residents, y'all gonna donate money to that same fund. And that fund is literally just gonna be a direct pass payment process to schools and vocational schools, right? So it goes like this. If you graduate from Booker T. Washington, Miami Jackson, Miami Northwestern, or Miami Edison, right? I got four high schools, public high schools in my district. As long as you graduate from one of those schools, get accepted to a two or four year state college or vocational school, we will cover your tuition and fees, right? I'm not covering your housing. Can't cover you. I don't got enough to cover your housing. I don't have enough for you to go to University of Miami yet. So I can't pay for a private school. But if you go to Florida State, FIU, UCF, Adorson, like Miami Dade, I got you. We will literally use the money in that fund and we will cover all of our kids' tuition, right? Because I need to make sure that we are creating pathways to success for our youth, but I also want them to dream big and understand like money should not be a reason why you are not going after your dreams and your goals, right? But because I'm taking that barrier of money away, now you have no excuse. So like you're not studying hard or you're not going to class on time or you're not putting in the work, that may be still a barrier for you, but it won't be money because your city commissioner and your neighbors and your neighborhood is going to invest in you early to make sure that you have that pathway once you graduate from our schools. So sorry wow. about the long spill, but wow. I just want you to kind of get a sprinkle of what we're hearing in the district and things that I've been able to commit to because I, I know how this can get paid. I know where we can pull the line item budget from. I know I don't need three votes for some of this stuff, so I can do some of this stuff, but partnering with nonprofits, those type of things. And then I do have consensus with some of the commissioners to get some of the things done that I do need three votes for. So I'm definitely trying to make sure I'm using my personal skill set to push our city forward, but to make sure that our district is understanding that it's time for us to go under this new mantra of putting people first, y'all. Like that's what this campaign is about, putting people first. It is really that simple. And we're gonna change the culture of what our district looks like because of that mantra. Wow. Yo, Mike, you just like, you literally dropped the mic on that one. I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm like, cause I knew, you know, I knew sort of what you stood for <laughs> and the things that you cared about, but like your plans are so well thought out, really targeting specific needs in yeah. our community, which, you know, many elected officials don't do. They don't, they don't take the time or yeah. put in the effort to sit down under the tree in the car and talk to people. Figure it out. Cause the yeah. solutions are there, Melba. Like have, I'm telling you every single item, even the tuition free, every single item that we wrote down came from residents. None of this stuff came from me. Like most of my ideas didn't even make the list. That's how bad it was. <laughs> the list of stuff that I thought I was going to be doing. No, it didn't even make the list. And that, and that taught me to really dive into this concept of there's no messiahs in this game, right? We got to stop that like you're going to come to the neighborhood and you're just going to solve all the problems. No, the solutions are in the neighborhoods. People know what they want. People know what they would like to see. The sad part is we don't engage the people right. most of the time. We don't bring them to the table. We don't ask what the ideas are. We don't show them how the budget works. We don't show them how to, to initiate these initiatives. So that's why we're so disconnected from the solutions, right? Mm -hmm. Because everything that I do as a city commissioner, I can't get nothing done if I have no buy-in from the people that I'm running to represent, yeah. right? Because then, then I'm just going to be like the commissioner that was here before me. It's like, if, if you just continue to make decisions on behalf of the people, but you have no town halls, you're never in the city talking to nobody. So you're just doing what you think is best. And then you wonder why folks like, oh, seven years later, I feel like my life is still not necessarily better shaped than what it was before. Because guess what? I was never at the table when you was making those decisions. 
Oof. Well, I mean, with all of that, um, <laughs> it is very clear to me um, that I need to endorse you for your run for commissioner of that District 5 and all of City of Miami, but specifically yes. based in District 5 because, you know, I'm so impressed with you. I'm so impressed with your energy, your drive, your, your connection to the people and prioritizing the needs of the people. That's what's necessary. That's what democracy looks like. That's what That's change what looks like. like. And you are the change. So I am so proud to support you. You're going to you get a little something in your, in your account. <laughs> millions but you know hey, i'm sure you get something hey, meaningful hey that's how it's it's so efficient um we i gotta give mad credit to god and my mom for keeping me safe and keeping me uh, motivated and pushing forth during this year because i literally walked every single block y'all that i'm running to represent right if i if i actually go and grab my sneakers you will literally see the whole that's getting ready to form and i'm just like lord let, let me just have 30 more days with these like <laughs> You feel me? Because like you can literally see the hole about the form in my shoe, right? I literally walked every single block and I tried to push our message throughout all of my precincts. Um, believe this month to be my fifth time coming through, yo. My fifth time, right? So, but that's what it's about. Showing new leadership, showing folks like they can be a part of this process and really just believing in pouring life into the dreams and goals of our people. Right. It's kind of like it's nothing. It's no greater blessing to be a blessing to others and then to have them, you know, yeah, they may not necessarily be inspired during that first time I came by. But by the time I came to their house that third time, it's like now you feel the energy coming. Right. You mm -hmm. can feel the momentum because they bond into the process. They understand like you don't have to see your elected official just when it's time to vote. Like this brother or sister can come to your house way before elections if they wanted to. The same way I'm leaving door hangers to inform people about the budget or give out face masks, we elected officials can do that way before elections mm -hmm. if they wanted to, right? It's more of the will. Do our elected officials, do our leaders in this city have the will to put forth that effort to represent our people? And that's what we got to change. Absolutely. So before we wrap this up, um, I'm going to make a pitch for you. And then, you know, I'd like for you to share um, how everyone can learn more about yeah. you. Um, I'm going to say this, I'm going to make my donation um, on payday on Friday. I'm going to be transparent, right? Like, listen, <laughs> like, you know, and, and I want people to understand that, first of all, campaigns are not free. Okay, I, I learned that the hard way. Every any candidate can tell you the cute signs you see on people's yards or on the the fences or whatever. You know, some of them be like twenty five, thirty five dollars a piece. It is a price. <laughs> there is a price, and you don't just get one, right? Because you've got a large area you need to blanket, so that's you know a hundred bucks. You know, you know, sorry, a hundred units, which yeah. then translates into like $3,500, yeah. right? Like yeah. it adds up quickly, right? Um, so what candidates need are people and money. They need people to knock doors. They need people to make phone calls. So if you cannot financially contribute, you can contribute your time and your talent by helping, you know, helping a candidate. So um, please inform everyone of your website, your social media handles, you know, how they can find you, how they can volunteer and how they can do donate. Oh, so real easy, y'all. So um, website is www.michaelhepburn.com. So it's just pretty much my name, michaelhepburn.com. Y'all can find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, um, and the handle is Vote Hepburn, right? So I try to make this nice and easy for everybody. 
Boat Hepburn on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, website, michaelhepburn.com. And like Melvin said, any help will be highly appreciated and we'll be grateful for your assistance. Financial contributions, small donations get us so far. Y'all, for every dollar that I get, this is how effective our campaign has been. This shows you my budgeting skills. For every dollar that I get donated to our campaign, it helps me get to eight houses, right? I stretch $1 and we can use that $1 to get to eight homes. You get, you get my That's point? We stretch it, we stretch it. <laughs> right? So small donations helps me a lot. And then when it comes down to this week, um, absentee ballots are getting ready to be mailed out, I believe, tomorrow, right? So now we're getting ready to reinforce our message again. Let everybody know if you got a ballot, fill it out. Get it back in the mail, turn it in, right? If you're not gonna do the ballot early, early voting starts on October 23rd. So I need folks, if y'all want, y'all can help phone calls. I can help me canvas. I canvas every day. Um, but then also if you're not early voting, then of course I'm trying to push people out so they can vote, hopefully so I can become the next city of Miami commissioner from district five on November 2nd. But that's pretty much our way. Small donation, phone calls, text messaging, walking these streets, to push our message, let people know that it is time to put our people first. It is time for them to activate in their neighborhoods. And then the last piece, Melba, is um, we talk about change a lot, a lot, right? Everybody's always, you know, change, one new change. Okay. So this is what I'm telling folks. I'm the only agent of change in this race that can win this race, right? Period. So if you're looking for change, they're actually going to get some stuff done. They actually has a movement and support us to actually be in the top two or, or, or even hopefully if we can inspire a couple more folks to vote on November 2nd, win on election night, I'm your guy, right? If you're not looking for someone to put people first, if you're looking for folks to put up illegal signs and be getting money from a whole bunch of special interests that's not for your best benefit, then I'm, I'm probably not your guy, right? But I am hopeful that you learned something from us tonight in this conversation, and, or just even if you stay in the city, receive material that we passed out or a website or whatever it may be, something that inspires you to be like, you know what, I like that brother and I'm gonna support him. And I definitely would love to have your support. And if you live in the city, in the district, I would love to have your vote. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that, Mike. And thank you for joining me on Mondays with Melba and really, you know, educating the people. Um, I will continue to uplift your information as well as make sure people know how to find you and connect with you. But again, thank you so much. And to everybody who tuned in, because we had to do this difference since Facebook decided to (laughs) shut down, we got to get creative. But listen, we always going to make sure the people stay informed. Um, We're going to be back with another great episode next week. Take good care, y'all, and bye. Thanks, Melba.